All right. You guys have your Bibles this morning? <laughs> iPads don't count. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> iPhones. Yeah, iPhones work. <laughs> uh, well, if you would, open your Bibles this morning to John 13. Uh, we're going to start in there, and really, we're just going to stay in there. We're going to kind of camp in John 13, I believe. God has a word for us this morning. There's a few points I'm, I'm going to point out. We're going to move fairly quickly. We're going to have to even move a little faster than we did in the last service. Um, I'm going to try to wrap up here by about quarter after, and I want to move into just a time uh, of communion. We're going to do communion a little different than we've done in the past, uh, and it's just going to be a greater response time just for what, for what God's doing. I can sit up here and, and talk till I'm blue in the face and till you're all exhausted, um, but if we allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our hearts, man, that's where the changes happen. So before I get into John 13, I've got something important I want to read. A lawyer and an elderly gentleman are sitting next to each other on a long flight. The lawyer, thinking that he is so intelligent, thinks he can pull a fast one on the elderly gentleman quite easily. So the lawyer asks if the gentleman would like to play a fun game. And the elderly man is tired and just wants to take a nap, so he politely declines. The lawyer persists, saying, this game is a lot of fun. I ask you a question. If you don't know the answer, you pay me only $5. Then you ask me one. If I don't know the answer, I pay you $500. Well, this catches the senior's attention. And to keep the lawyer from, uh, to keep him quiet, he agrees to play the game. The lawyer asks the first question. What's the distance from the Earth to the moon? The older gentleman doesn't say a word. He reaches in his pocket and hands the lawyer $5. Now it's the senior's turn. He asks the lawyer, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? The lawyer uses his laptop to find all the references he can on the internet. He sends emails to all his friends to no avail. After an hour of searching, he finally gives up, wakes up the senior, and hands him $500. The senior puts the $500 in his pocket and goes back to sleep. This is driving the lawyer nuts. So he wakes up the, the senior and he asks, well, so what goes up with three legs and comes down with four? The senior reaches into his pocket, pulls out $5, hands it to the lawyer, and goes back to sleep. <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with the message. But what it does is it lights you guys up, because you guys are so serious down there, and I'm trying to lighten you up, right? <laughs> uh, so now we're going to be serious. Jokes are over. Let's get serious. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this morning we're talking about love without limits. And uh, we had 15 days, amazing days, of just of prayer and fasting with devotions from the pastors. And I want to just honor the pastors. I think they did an awesome job. So yeah, just thank you guys. Um, hopefully, you all got to, to participate in that, uh, be a part of this, as we were just focusing on the love. And it was amazing that all 15 were so different. Uh, and, and they all had personal touch. There was something just personal from their lives. And so it just means so much more when there's that personal touch in there. Anyway, it was, it was great. And, and I know I got a lot of comments back about, I mean, we have to do that more often. So uh, we'll look at doing that more often than just one time a year. 
Well, let's do this. Let's jump into John 13. I'm going to read this. And then there's a few points that I believe that just the God wants to release today uh, before we jump into communion. So we're going to move quickly. Starting in verse 1, we're going to go through verse 17. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in this world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal, which is, they're talking about the Last Supper, was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took out his, his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he did not say everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master and no messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The word of the Lord. Mm. All right, so you got it? We're good? We're done? All right, let's go through this. There's, there's some great, great points in this that, uh, that I love. I'm excited to share with you this morning. And, and uh, let me just say, first of all, just to put this in context. So John is one of the four Gospels. We have four Gospels here. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there's the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, which really tie together. Um, they go hand in hand. They tell a lot of the same stories, and, uh, and they kind of go along the same timeline. John is the gospel that's completely different from the other three gospels. Uh, it doesn't line up at all with the other three gospels. Here's the difference. John was the one that was the beloved one. He was the one that was loved by Jesus, and he told us that. But he got it. He got it to a great extent. And, and in this book, he writes the heart of Jesus. And you actually capture and encapsul he encapsulates the heart of Jesus in that book. It is such a powerful book. And it's interesting, there's actually one-fourth of the book is the last 24 hours of his life before he goes to the cross. That's verse thir or chapter 13 through 17 that, that really, this starts with the Lord's Supper and, and there's, it's, it's the, the 
the Last Supper discourse here that he goes through. And there's this sweet, amazing time with the last 24 hours of Jesus. And you get to understand and you get to know his heart. And even in this scripture where it talks about where he says in the beginning here in the first verse, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. If you understand what's happening here, this is it. Jesus knows he's going to the Father. If it was your last 24 hours, I have a feeling that you would take those 24 hours and you would make it uh, the most impactful you possibly could to the people you love the most. And he spent the time with his 12 disciples. This is where he wanted to impart everything he had to his 12 disciples. He, he knew the urgency now was at hand. And so this is where he said, I am going to show you the full extent of my love. Goes on and says, so the evening meal was being served. Uh, and, and here's what's interesting. And, it, and you see this in Luke. Uh, you got to kind of put the scriptures together to get sometimes the full picture of things. But uh, in Luke, here the disciples were, they didn't really get it, <laughs> even up until the very end. They just, they didn't get what was happening. They thought Jesus is going to be the one. He's, he's called the you know, king of the Jews, king of kings, lord, lord of lords. Like He's going to be the one to rule on this earth. Uh, he's going to have the throne, and we're going to get to be right there with him. We're his twelve. We're the guys. And, uh, and he talked about it. He talked about his death. And they just were like, yeah, whatever, God. Like, Jesus, we, we know. But yeah, we're, but we're here with you. And this is going to be exciting. We're so excited. And, uh, and so here they are. They're in the upper room. It's the Last Supper. Jesus knows this is the Last Supper that they're going to have together. And in Luke, it talks about the disciples are sitting around. And they start to argue about who the greatest is among them. And if you're Jesus, I mean, you got to be going at this point, are you kidding me? Like, I've walked with you guys for three years. And this is the discussion we're having at the table, <laughs> is who's the greatest among you guys? And so this is what he does. And this is, this is how he shows his love. They're sitting at the table. And he gets up in the middle of the meal says, and so he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. At this point, I think the disciples were trying to figure out, what the heck is going on? This is, this is the king. This is their lord. This is their teacher. This is the one they've been following for three years. Nothing like this has ever happened. What he was doing is he was setting himself up as a slave or as a servant would do as somebody as they walk into a house to be served. And here he is. He is the person of honor. And he's stepping down, taking out his, off his outer cloak. And he's putting around a towel around his waist. And he grabs, he grabs a basin. He fills it with water. And he kneels down. And he starts to wash the disciples' feet one by one. And I think you have to picture this. This is Jesus. This is the guy. You look into his eyes, and you melt. His love, who he is. And all of a sudden, he's at, he's at your feet. 
looking up at you, washing your feet. It's a, it, I mean, if we get that picture, it is such a powerful moment. This is, the, this is God. This is in, in, on earth. This is, this is our heavenly father. This is his son, Jesus, washing the disciples' feet, showing us something that is so mo- amazing, showing us the full extent of his love. And of course, Peter, being Peter, <laughs> you guys all know Peter. This guy can't keep his mouth shut, for one. Always sticks his foot in his mouth. And, uh, but here's the thing, is I think he's, he's really, he's saying what all the other disciples are thinking. They're just too scared to say it. Peter, like, he has no filter. He's one of those guys, uh, the filter left a long time ago, and so whatever he thinks just, just comes right out. And so he goes, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You know, as he's washing all the disciples' feet, I think it, it's quite obvious. And, and, uh, and Jesus' reply is, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand And this is the first point that I want to make, is that there's a lot of times in our lives where we're at a place where we do not understand what's happening. We don't understand. We know that God's called us into something, and we're moving forward, but we don't understand what's going on. Or maybe we feel like he's calling us into something, and we're like, whoa, what are we doing, God? Where are we going? Like, I, I need to understand what's happening here. But I think the thing we need to understand is that obedience has to come before our understanding. We can't wait to have the understanding to move forward with what God's calling us into. We have to do it out of obedience. There's a, a quote from a really good friend of mine. He's a pastor in Houston. And this is what he says. Understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. These are words to live by. We cannot wait. We need to move forward with what God is calling us to. The understanding can wait. We'll understand it at some point in time. All right, let's go on here. So Peter responds, of course. And he says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. It's a pretty strong statement to Jesus, who's washing the disciples' feet. And this is what Jesus says. Unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. You will have no part with me. That's a pretty strong statement back. Peter goes on to say, then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Wash all of me. If that's the case, if this is what it takes to be with you, if this is what it takes to be part of you, wash all of me. You see Peter's heart in this, man. He is like, I'm all for you, God. But this is a paradigm shift because he's seeing something that has never been done. So now he's telling the Lord, wash all of me. (laughs) Jesus responds back, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean. And he's not talking about the physical body here. He's talking about his heart. And he's saying, look, I don't need to wash your heart. Your heart's already clean. You're already for me. 
but I do need to wash your feet. And as we go through this world, as we're on this earth, I believe this is for us, that we need to realize that Jesus needs to wash our feet. That there are things that we pick up, there's things that we do on a constant basis that, are, that we do not want to carry any longer. There's sins that we walk into. There's, just, there's a lot of stuff that happens in life. And what Jesus is saying is, look, let me wash your feet. That's all he wants to do. There's so much grace and there's so much love from the Father that we, we can't even comprehend it. But if we allow him to wash our feet, he's, he takes these things away from us and cleanses us. And this is an ongoing thing. As we're on this earth, it's not like, hey, I've been washed, I'm clean, I'm done, I can just move forward. No, there's a continual washing of the feet. I mean, you know, in, in the... And back in that day, they had their feet washed multiple times. They would go from place to place, and they would be clean, but they would, their feet would be filthy every time they'd walk, every time they begin to move out. And so I believe this is another key point that we need to understand, that we need our feet washed by Jesus constantly. <laughs> Goes on to say, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, and he returned to the place. Do you understand what I have done for you? And of course, the disciples are all going, nope, <laughs> I don't have a clue. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. And Lord as being, it's a strong statement there. That is the supreme one. That is above all. When you call someone Lord, that is the supreme person. And he's, he's clarifying here that yes, <laughs> You call me Lord, and you call me teacher, and rightly so. That is who I am. Now I say, your Lord and teacher, now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. This is the, this is the next point that we need to get here. He says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master and, and no messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus here is the master. He's the one that sent him. And he's saying, look, you're no greater than me. And if I'm doing this for you, this is what you need to do for others. We need to wash each other's feet. We need to wash the feet of others. And what, is the, what does that mean? A lot of times it just means it means sacrificing things in our own life. Love doesn't come without sacrifice. Love is a sacrifice. And sometimes that sacrifice is as simple as sacrificing our pride. <laughs> Awfully quiet. <laughs> Again, this is the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. It's interesting that John, he does not, he doesn't talk about the communion here. Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the Last Supper, they all, they all talk about the communion. John focuses on this. He focuses on the washing of feet. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think there's something here that we have to get, that we have to really understand. Washing someone's feet is going down to the lowest level. And here's the other thing is, is he knew Judas Iscariot was going to betray him to death. 
This is one of his 12 who he loved dearly, who he spent the last three years with. And he knew what was going to happen. And he still washed his feet. He washed his feet because he loved him so much. And so a lot of times, it's easy to wash the feet, in a sense, of those that you love, that those around you that, uh, that are your friends, your buddies. But try washing the feet of your enemy. Try washing the feet of someone who's going to betray you to death. It takes on a whole new meaning. He says one final thing that is so important here. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the paradigm shift. This is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world. This is understanding the difference. And there's, there's a complete difference between the way that people live on this earth and the way that we live because we are not of this world. And when we understand the kingdom principles and operate in those kingdom principles, it carries something back to earth. It carries something from heaven to earth. We actually are a gateway from heaven to earth. Jesus said to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And so that we are, we are that gateway. We are the ones that, that allow heaven to come down to earth. The blessings come in that when we do the things that God calls us to do that are completely different and go against the mindset of the world system. There's a uh, quick example I'm going to give here, and then we're going to bring the worship team up, and we're going to just move into communion. And yeah, so this has a, become a, a friend of mine. We've actually been talking over the phone, and uh, he's, he kind of helped us with the transition. He transitioned back in 2010 uh, into a church up in Loveland, a large church called Resurrection Fellowship. And uh, Jonathan Wiggins, great, great guy. And uh, something happened back in 2010, about three months after he took over uh, in that church, there was a, uh, a painting that was brought in um, from, a, from a famous artist that was out on the West Coast. That he, he's a professor at Stanford University. His name is Enrique Chigoya. And, uh, and this was a controversial piece of Jesus that was very provocative and sexually slanted. I won't get into the details, but they put this into the, uh, the museum, the art museum in Loveland. And immediately, there was an uprise. And the uprise was from the Christian community. Because they saw this, they saw this picture of Jesus that was not their Jesus. And there was an anger that formed. And, and there were... There were protests that started. There was hate mail. Uh, there, was even, there were death threats against Enrique. Uh, they even had to have a detail out in Stanford protecting him during this time. Jonathan took a different approach. He emailed Enrique, and he said, hey, can you help me understand what your thought is behind this? Why, why did you paint this rendition the way you painted it? And they began this dialogue back and forth. And, and his heart was really just to understand Enrique. And so he said, you know, the reason that I did this was I wanted to show the corruption of the Catholic Church. And, uh, and this is not the Jesus that I see, but this is the Jesus of the, uh, like, this is the, the, of the religious Catholic Church. And, and, and they went back and forth in this dialogue. And, and uh, 
continue just to, to communicate back and forth and get to know each other even at a greater level. And on the sixth day of this painting, being in the, uh, in the museum, in the art museum, someone broke in with a crowbar and destroyed the painting, completely destroyed it. Which we would think, well, that's the right thing. Like, hey, we got to get rid of that. This is not the right, this is not how we depict Jesus. Destroyed this. Wearing a shirt that said, my Jesus is tougher than nails. Jonathan took a different approach again and said, Enrique, I am so sorry for what happened. Will you paint a rendition of Jesus in our church? And Enrique said, yes, I will do it. But what is the Jesus? Can you explain the Jesus that you want me to, that you want me to depict? And so I'm not going to read this entire thing, but I'm just going to read a piece of this. And this was Jonathan's email. He said, here is how I see Jesus, if you want to know. He said, I see the, a perfect, sinless baby born of a virgin womb and heralded by angels. And he goes on to say a number of just beautiful things. And he ends it with this. I see a defender driving away the accusers of, the def of a defenseless woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And I see a standard bearer saying to the same woman, go and sin no more. I see a willing victim of, of a Roman cross dripping with blood, water, and grace. Father, forgive them are the words that have impacted 2,000 years of human history. These are the words of the one you will portray. The one who is larger than life, more powerful than death, and tougher than nails. Enrique's response was, I see him in this beautiful description you sent me, and this will be my guide for the portrait. He also went on to say that this whole experience has changed him and that he sees Jesus in a different light. He was not a Christian, but he sees Jesus now in a different light than what everyone else was doing. He said, I wish more religious people would be like you, Jonathan. This is the Jesus that we need to be to others. There are going to be many people in your lives that will not step foot in church. The only way that they're going to get to meet that Jesus is through you. You are going to have to be that reflection of Jesus. You're the one that's going to have to wash the feet of those people that do not know Jesus. You know, we look at, at Facebook and some of these some of these things in, that are going on today, there's, there's a lot of political things happening, obviously, in the world today, in our nation and in the world. And this, the sad thing is what I see, even, even in the church, is I see people responding, not in a way that Jesus would respond. And, and look, I understand if you have convictions, that's good. We want to have convictions. We want to go after the truth. But when we're, when we're communicating with people that do not know Jesus, the last thing we want to do is take a position on something that's going to destroy a relationship. You guys understand that? Yeah. Like, this is so important. Because this is, this is where we are in this day and age. Man, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all these things I, I don't even know. I can't keep up with. <laughs> don't want to know. But I want to say that everything we do 
Everything we post, everything that goes online needs to draw people to the Father. Let's not drive a wedge in relationship. Let's not drive a wedge in someone because we, we want to show people that we're right or we want to take a position on something. That is not what we're called to do. We are called to love above all else. We are called to, to come down to a place where, where we would stoop down, where we would wash the feet of others before us. I want us as a church, as a body of believers, to be those that will get down on our knees and we will wash the feet of others. We will not go with the crowds. We will not go with taking a position, taking a strong stance on something. We are going to be the ones that love people no matter what. It doesn't matter what situation they're in. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how bad they're in sin. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Our job is to love them the way Jesus has loved us. We have all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So none of us, <laughs> none of us deserve and none of us have the right to tell someone else that they're doing the wrong thing. The only thing we have the right to do is to love them as Jesus loved us. All right. We're running a little over. Darn it. I really wanted to stay on track here. <laughs> but I think this is so important. This is so important that we get this. As we move forward, this is going to bring unity. This is going to bring transformation to this city. It's through the love. It's through the grace of our Father. If I can get the worship team back up, we're going we're to take communion this morning. We're going to do it in a different way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a sweet time. But let me do this real quick. I, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. If I could just get everyone just to bow your head. And I don't want to try to embarrass anyone or put anyone in a bad situation. But what I want to do right now is just offer the opportunity that if you have never accepted Jesus, if you have never accepted this, this person into your life that will change your life forever, that will impact your life more than anything else, that will bring a grace that you have never experienced before, that will bring a love that you have never experienced before. Today's the day. Don't wait another day. So I just want to give you this opportunity this morning as we, as we, before we go into communion here, just to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've kind of stepped away, if you've said, man, it's... Yes, I've accepted Jesus, but man, I have really just kind of gone down a different road. If this is the time where you're saying, look, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm going to go after him with everything that I have. Because it is all about him. If we want to live a life that is blessed, if we want to live a life on this earth, it's just, it's not about the fire insurance. It's not about just getting to heaven and, and knowing that we have our security there. It's about living a full life on this earth. We have the opportunity to do that, to impact many people's lives. But we're going to have to surrender it all to get it back. So if that's you, no one's looking around. This isn't a time to, uh, it's just between you and God. I just want you to raise your hand up and say, yes, 
just as a sign of just saying acknowledgement to the Father to say, yes, I am going after you. I accept you. You are my Lord and Savior. I will go after you with everything I have. My life is now yours. It is in your hands. I want you just to put your hand up right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just acknowledge him. Say, God, yes, I'm going after you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think. It only matters. It's only between you and the Father. This is about eternity. This is not about <laughs> what people think on this earth right now. So here's what I'm going to have you do. If you would just all just say this after me. And again, the words aren't so important. Is It's the heart. It's the heart behind this. And if you've raised your hand, you've already said, yes, I'm going after it. Jesus knows your heart. But I want to just say this as a response right now. So if you would, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Lord, I repent of all the sins, of all the things in my life. Lord, I thank you that your grace more than covers all my sin. I thank you for your love that takes away all my transgressions. And right now, I proclaim you as my Lord and as my Savior. I come to you with everything that I am, and I live for you. And I thank you that in this, you will guide me every step of the way. You will hold my hand, and you will take me through the good times and the bad times in life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you, Father. Mm. So good. So good. Thank you. Thank you for responding.